Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Morning. Just look at your neighbor and say, man, you're blessed beyond measure. Use the prophetic finger and look, point at them and say, you are blessed beyond measure. Now lift your Bible. This is my Bible. I believe what he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Uh, building up to today, we've been talking about grace in the marketplace. Amen. And uh, we discovered that God created us to go into the marketplace or into the world or into our different spheres of calling and influence to dominate. Amen. Amen. Uh, the religious mindset thinks about escaping. But the kingdom mindset, on the other hand, thinks about taking ground. Amen? Amen. And dominating. And we are kingdom people. Hallelujah. Amen. We also discovered that when God created the Garden of Eden, He could have planted the whole earth. Do you realize? I mean, he had the power to plant all the universes, but he only planted a garden. And he used it as a prototype and gave it to man. And he said to man, now you take this idea and make it international. Amen? Amen. And what started as a garden in the Garden of Eden was supposed to end as a city in the book of Revelations. And God had deposited all the creativity to do that in Adam. The same way he has deposited all the creativity that you need for you to dominate in the marketplace in this life. Amen? We, to we told you a story about George Washington Carver, an old black guy from the south in the U.S. I mean, this guy was a Christian man who believed in dominating in the marketplace. And he single-handedly uh, uh, liberated the economy of the south by going into the prayer room with a blank piece of paper. And you would ask God for inventions. And God would respond. And from a peanut, because that's all they had. From a peanut, he came up with over 300 products. From proteins, protein powders, to uh, face powders, I mean, to cooking oils. From just a peanut. Hunt your neighbor and say, don't call your salary peanuts anymore. <laughs> do you know how much God can do with the peanuts? When you let him. Man, he will give you so much. But you have to listen to the voice of God with a kingdom ear, not a religious ear. See, a scripture like the Holy Spirit will show you the future and he will show you all the truth and things to come. To a religious mindset, he's already thinking the Holy Spirit will show me when the world will end. But to a kingdom mindset, he's thinking, man, you show me what the next big thing is. How many of you realize that the internet existed in the Garden of Eden? Adam just didn't discover it. God wasn't surprised when we discovered the internet 6,000 years later. He's looking at us like, keep up! You are too slow. So all these things are already loaded in the spiritual realm, but it takes someone with a kingdom ear to sit and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit so that you can navigate and make moves in the marketplace. Amen? Amen. Today we're talking about manifesting. Someone say manifesting. manifesting. 
We're talking about manifesting abundance. Amen. As you go into the marketplace, you need to have the ability to manifest abundance. Amen. Amen. Uh, 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 is there anyone in here who could do uh, with a little bit of money? Just, just lift your hand. Oh, man, I'm in the right place. <laughs> Amen. Let's go now to Deuteronomy chapter number 30, verse 19. I'm going to be sharing some of the things that you know, but what I've done is I'm, I've put them together in such a way that it will be explosive if you follow it. Amen. It's like a pin number. Someone can give you six numbers to their uh, 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 account, as a pin, but until you know the sequence, you will not be able to get into the account. So I've put these things in a sequential order for a reason. Let's go now to Deuteronomy chapter number 30, verse 19. Thank you, Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter number 30, verse 19. <clears throat> God speaking said, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have said before who? Who? Who might be you? <laughs> Someone say me. <laughs> God is saying, I've said before you, when I, life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore do what? Choose. I didn't hear that. Choose. Hey, 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 I, I thought we had no choice in the matter. Of abundance, poverty, and wealth. Well, it looks like you do. He says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now you get to choose. And the first thing I want to say is God has blessed us with an awesome responsibility as his children. The first thing God gave us was the ability to make choices. Or the ability to choose. This is why in the Garden of Eden, I've always thought, man, when God created the Garden of Eden, if he didn't want them to eat of the fruit, why did he put it in the garden? He could have kept it in heaven, right? But he put it in the garden. You know why? Because he wanted them to have a choice in the matter. So that they don't just obey God by default, but they actually choose to obey God. And it's the same thing with you and me. Everything that God has blessed us with, we also have a choice in the matter. This is why Jesus said in John 10 verse 10, The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill and destroy. I came that you may. Did you hear that word? He says, I came that you may or might. In other words, I've given you the permission. He didn't say, I came. Now everybody is going to have life by force. He says, I came that you might. And that word indicates permission. God has given you the green light. You know why? Because there's some people who don't want life. I came that you may be healed. There's some people who don't want to be healed. And guess what? If you don't want it, God is not going to force you into it. Someone shout, I choose, I choose. abundance. You have to make a choice to choose abundance. Amen? So the first thing you need to do is to choose. And this choice is what distinguishes us from the animal kingdom. You know, animals live on instinct. They don't, live, they don't have a free will. You and me are what is called free will moral agents. Everything we choose, God will let us have it. 
You know, today when I woke up, I went into my walk-in closet. Hallelujah. (laughs) And I picked this jacket. And I didn't see an angel with a flaming sword. A seraphim and a cherubim saying, Thou shalt pick this denim jacket to church this morning. No, I went in and I picked this one. And all of heaven and the hosts and the witnesses, the cloud of witnesses, they let me out of the house with this one. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit let me out of the house with the one that I chose. The same way He will let you out of the house if you choose poverty. The same way he will let you out of the house if you choose sickness. And some people don't realize it. You know, we have these internal things that have been deposited in us that make us choose poverty by default. You know, I used to, I grew up in a very poor neighborhood and we used to go to the countryside. And this is how they typically used to feed us in the countryside. They would take one big bowl of pop and then one big bowl of stew. And then they'll get 12 of us to sit around it. It didn't occur to them that they could have just, you know, picked 12 plates and separated them. But they would get us to sit around the plate. On your mask, get set, go. I mean, we had to come up with tricks. You know, you go to dinner with a long sleeve. So that as you put your hand in the bowl of stew, you just take a a few more pieces and shove them up your, just shove them up your sleeve. Amen. And you know what that did? That created a scarcity mindset. And the problem is our leaders take that into government. Okay, let me leave that alone. They're thinking, man, I only have four years to take as much as I can because it's going to run out. You know, we had the World Cup 2010, FIFA World Cup. And all those boys, man, when they play soccer, they breathe fast. They're hyperventilating, breathing fast. And how many of you ran out of oxygen because they were breathing fast? (laughs) 32 teams breathing all our air. How many of you ran out of oxygen because of them breathing all that air? You know what that means? That means when God created the earth, he put enough for everybody. When you embrace a scarcity mindset, you are not choosing abundance. You are not choosing life. And by default, you will choose lack. Jesus had an abundance mindset. And he chose life all the time. How do you choose abundance? You choose abundance by choosing the right thoughts. That's our next point. You have to embrace God as your source. You have to change your mentality. Someone shout, I embrace embrace. an abundance mentality. mentality. There's nothing wrong with you driving a really nice car. You know, religious people can't handle people driving really nice things and living in nice houses. They can't handle it. They would rather relate around jumper cables and tour bars. You know, I grew up in a neighborhood and we had a car where we needed to wake up the whole neighborhood just to get a jump start. Religious people would rather relate around that kind of stuff, problems. 
you know, instead of enjoying life. Didn't we read last week that God richly gives us all things to enjoy? First Timothy 6, 17. It is the will of our Heavenly Father to bless us with, with things, we said last week, but He does not want things to have us. Hallelujah. Amen. Man, it's going to be good. <laughs> the rarest thing in the church is an abundance mentality. And we have to get rid of these internal beliefs of limitations and scarcity. If you're taking down notes, write this down. Your life is a manifestation of your dominant thoughts. And you're going to have to start thinking abundance. The Bible says in Romans 12 verse 2, Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be ye what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to prove that which is the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. The way you tap into abundance is to remove all limitations from your mind of scarcity. Amen? And I have to rush because I have a lot of things for you this morning. What does the Bible say in Ephesians 3.20? It says God is able to do how? Exceeding. Abundantly. I mean, I always picture it this way. The Apostle Paul is trying to explain God's ability. And he says, God is able. He says, man, it doesn't capture it. God is able to do exceeding. Still doesn't do it. God is able to do exceeding abundantly. He still doesn't capture it. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above. Still not doing it. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ever think or imagine. So the limiter is in between your ears. Man, you know it. You know it. You know it in your hearts of hearts whether you believe you should be driving a nice car or not. You know it. You know it. You know it. Man, I'm telling you, this is the easiest thing you can do. You can go to your mind right now and see if you relate with nice things. Most of you don't. Like, ah, you know, this nice house, ah, they, they can leave. They, we, will, we are good here with that. And it's a mindset. And God is saying, you choose it, you have it. So you're going to have to change your thinking. Let's go to Mark, chapter number 6, verse 35. Ah, man. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, talking about the multitudes, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered, Jesus answered, and said unto them, You give them something to eat. Did you see it? Jesus always positioned himself as a giver, not a receiver. And this is what we need to do as the church. We need to position ourselves as givers, not as receivers. You know, have you ever seen when we read the story of the woman with the issue of blood? Have you ever seen how the church always placed themselves in the shoes of the woman with the issue of blood? If you want something from God... <laughs> You need to press through the crowd and keep on pressing. And when you press through, you need to hold the hem of the garment. Somebody say, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But Jesus never said for you to place yourself in the shoes of the woman with the issue. He said, these things that I do 
shall you do. And greater things shall you do because I go unto my Father. So Jesus wants you to put yourself in his shoes. But because we have a taker mentality, we're always placing ourselves. Okay, alright, moving right along. And they say to him, shall we go and buy with 200 denarii worth of bread? See, this abundance mentality, you cannot choose it based on what you have in your bank account. He's saying feed them because you have an abundance. They are saying, look at what we have in the bank account. He never said anything about the bank account. He said, choose life. Yeah, but I have 200 in in my... Did you see when he says choose life? Choose the blessing? He didn't say choose life, choose the blessing when you're a millionaire. He says choose life, choose the blessing right now. Because your source, the power behind you making the choice is not what you have in your account. It's God. He says with 200 denarii worth of bread... Give them something to eat. But he said, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken five loaves and the two fish, he looked unto heaven. He blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before them. And the two fish divided amongst them. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. And now those who had eaten loaves were about five thousand men. Not counting women and children. So a lot of people were fed. Because Jesus knew where and who his source was. And he connected to his source beyond what he had in the bank account. Amen? Amen. Don't let your mindset of abundance be limited by what you have in your bank account. Hallelujah! Let's go now to Exodus chapter number 11 from verse 18 to 23 in the Message Bible. Exodus chapter number 11 from 18 to 23. Thank you, Jesus. This is after the children of Israel went to Moses. Did I say Exodus? You can't find it? Sorry, Numbers. Numbers. Let's go to Numbers. Numbers 11, verse 18. Yes. I said Numbers. That exodus? Did you record? <laughs> Give it to me in the message Bible. So this is after Moses, you know, was leading the children of Israel to the promised land. And, you know, they got tired of manna. So they went to Moses and they said, man, we're tired of manna. We want meat. We, we're tired of bread. We want meat. So here's what God said. Uh, verse 18. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves. Get ready. For tomorrow you are going to eat meat. Yay, yay. You've been whining to God. We want meat. Give us meat. And then here is where they made a mistake. We had a better life in Egypt. No, you didn't. God has heard your whining. 
and he's going to give you meat. You are going to eat meat, and it's not just for a day that you will eat meat. And not two days, or five, or ten, or twenty. But for a whole month, you're going to eat meat until it's coming out of your nostrils. I mean, God was pretty ticked off, right? (laughs) You are going to be so sick of meat that you will throw up at the mere mention of it. Next verse. And here's why. Because you have rejected God who is right here among you, whining to his face. Oh, why did we ever have to leave Egypt? Now watch what happens. Next verse. Moses said, I'm standing here surrounded by 600,000 men on foot. And you say, he's now saying to God, God, you are saying, I will give them meat. Meat every day for a month. So where is this meat going to come from? Man, I want you to take this picture and put it in your life right now. Pastor T, you're saying I can, I can drive this car of my dreams. Did you not ask this question? Just this morning, a few moments ago, you probably did. I won't ask you to lift up your hand, but you, I know you did. I want that house in, in Hyde Park. I want that uh, 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 villa in, in Manhattan. <laughs> but how are you going to do it, Lord? We want that church building. But look at what we have in the bank account. Lord, are you saying you're going to give us this church? How are you going to do it? That's none of your business. The man said he's going to give you food and you will have food for a month. Let the man do his job. The man said he will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. But let the man do his job and stop trying to figure it out. The man said 600,000 men, excluding women and children, over a million people, close to 2 million, will eat meat every day. And then Moses is trying to do the math. Don't do the math. Watch what he said. You say I'll give them meat for a month, so where is it coming from? And then he starts looking in his bank account. Even if all the flocks and herds were butchered. He's talking about all the flocks and herds in the earth. Even if all the flocks and herds were butchered, would that be enough? Even if all the fish in the sea were caught, would that be enough? I mean, the dude is challenging God's power. If God says it, I believe it and that settles it. And I don't have to figure it out. All I have to do is to trust that he who gave the promise, is also faithful to fulfill it. If he says he will bless me, I receive the blessing. Regardless of what it looks like. Regardless of what my status looks like. Regardless of what I have in the bank account. If God says he's going to do it, you'll do it for him. Thank you, Jesus. Next verse, verse 23. God answered Moses, So do you think I can't take care of... In fact, what you're saying, when you're consistently taking the promises of God against what you have in your bank account, here's what you're saying. You're saying, God, you can't take care of me. You may not put it in those words, but that's what you're saying. When you worry and are anxious about life, that's what you're saying. 
In fact, beyond that, you're saying God is an irresponsible father. Man, God will provide all your needs. And you need to embrace this mindset of abundance. That God will supply all my needs, regardless of what it is or where I am. He's big enough to do it. God said, so do you think I can't take care of you? You'll see soon enough, whatever I say, you'll soon see enough whether what I say happens for you or not. God's word will come to pass. Amen? I said amen. amen. Point number three. If you're taking down notes, write this down. If you want to tap into abundance and manifest abundance, write this down. Don't hate. Celebrate. Hunt your neighbor and say, don't hate. Celebrate. Let's go to First Samuel chapter number 8 from verse, nine, from verse 5 to 9 in the New Living Translation. First Samuel 8. Five to nine. First Samuel. If you have it, you can say I have it. First Samuel. Chapter number eight from verse five to nine. People that compare themselves have a scarcity mindset. Don't compare yourself to someone else. Hunt your neighbor and tell them there is way too much and there is enough for all of us. Man, I remember when we were in college, we would gate crush these parties, you know. And we had the mindset of scarcity. The first thing we did when we would go to these parties was to attack the fridge. I'm telling you, true story. Would go to the fridge and take all these drinks and go and put them in the flowers <laughs> outside. So this one time, man, we went to this party and we took all these drinks and put them in the flowers. And then the drinks kept coming. And then those ones in the flowers were getting hot. We had to take them out and put them back. <laughs> it's a mindset of scarcity. You know, you just want to hoard because you're thinking, man, it's about to run out. <laughs> hey, man. Man, it's crazy. <laughs> Verse 5. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it how? Successfully. So Saul, <coughs> excuse me, Saul made him commander over the man of war. An appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, remember Goliath? David had killed Goliath. Women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this? He said, they created David with 10,000 and me with only 1,000. What he didn't realize was David was working for him. So if David killed 10,000, he just killed 11,000 for Saul. So there was no need for him to be in fear or to start comparing himself with uh, 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 David. You know why? 
Because God had put him in that place. Watch what he said after this. He said, um, they created David with 10,000 and me with only 1,000. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. You know what the problem was with Saul? He didn't realize who had put him in that place. I mean, if God has put you in that place, if God has made you king, it doesn't matter what the people do. The people can't make any other king if God has made the main king. Because God is bigger than the people. But Saul was so consumed with competition. And he, he, I mean, he was a hater. That's the only way to put it. He was a hater. Always comparing himself with someone else. The Bible says they that compare themselves amongst themselves are unwise in their dealings. Man, if you can't genuinely celebrate someone else's success, you are stopping your own success. Let me give you these three points. Number one, celebrating others is a great quality to success because you will never grow taller by cutting another man's legs. You never grow taller by criticizing someone else. You need to celebrate. Amen? Number two, what you celebrate, you attract. You can't ask God for something and then resent it when you see it in someone else's life. You are sending a mixed signal. And here's the third one, my favorite. Every time you hate on something, on someone for having what you want, you program your mind not to achieve that goal. When you hate on someone for getting promoted, you are saying to your mind, promotions are bad. So let's not do them. When you hate on someone for driving an S-Class, you are saying to your mind, Mercedes-Benz S-Classes are bad, so let's not do them. When you hate on someone for getting married, you are saying to your mind, getting married is B to the triple A D. So let's not get married. So it doesn't matter how much you fast. It doesn't matter how much oil you spray on your face. If you don't get rid of the hate, your mind is saying we don't want this because it's a bad thing. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This is why you need to celebrate. Man, you need to train yourself to celebrate others around you. When someone does well, celebrate them. Don't fight with them. Amen? Amen. Number four. And then we will close. Be a giver. This is how you tap into manifesting God's abundance. Be a giver. I have a question for you. Look up. One question. What's the primary reason people don't give? Because if I had enough, I would have. So I can't give because I... I, I, man, everybody wants to give. But the reason people don't give is I, so they think they don't have enough, right? And as a man thinks, so if you think you don't have enough, why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for these, your children. 
We thank you that they will manifest abundance in the marketplace. Father, we thank you that they will not lack any good thing. But Father, that increase is theirs. Lord, we give you praise for every business person in this room. Father, we thank you that their business is prospering beyond measure. Lord, we thank you that you're opening doors to stakeholders, customers, investors alike. Lord, we thank you that you are giving them witty inventions, witty ideas, creative ideas from above. Make their hearts sensitive to receive from you. Lord, we thank you for every individual who's working a job. Father, we thank you for favor. We thank you for opening up a door of opportunity where they will get into and flourish, where their gifts will flourish. Lord, we thank you that they will grow and dominate in the marketplace. Father, we thank you for increase. And Lord, we thank you that this week will be the greatest week of their lives ever. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name we have prayed. And everyone said, well, we love you. God bless you. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight.